the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to Big Bets on Campus. This is our college football preseason best bets. We're going to go through every conference and give our best bet or bets for each. I'm Stucky and joining me today, as always, Colin Wilson. Colin, we got a lot of bets to get to. Are you ready to fire away? I'm ready. We don't really have any extra time here. Uh, Over under on number of bets, 52 and a half. So let's get started. Yeah, might take the over there. And as a reminder, we're just going to give a summary of our best bets. But we have 11 other episodes that we did in the preseason, breaking down every conference, two for the SEC. Our group of five guys did a great job. Myself, Colin, Brett McMurphy joined them. And then Colin and I did the Power Five episodes. So if you want to get in to the weeds and hear a little bit more, make sure you check out all of those episodes as you continue your week zero, which is five days away, and week one preparation. We'll also share Brett McMurphy's picks, his favorite picks. He sent a couple over at the end of the show, and uh, we'll make fun of his pick of uh, Stetson Bennett for Heisman. I know you're listening, Brett, and watching, hopefully. All right, let's, uh, let's get things started, and let's start in the Big Ten. I'll give my best bet in the Big Ten. It's Nebraska over seven and a half wins. I love this team's schedule. I have them favored in their first nine games, seven by double digits. There are only two road games before mid-November are at Purdue and at Rutgers. I mean, it doesn't get much easier than that. I think they can get off to a hot start. They did lose some key pieces, but I loved what they did in the transfer portal and in the coaching department, bringing Whipple in as the offensive coordinator. They also addressed special teams. Last year, the amount of special teams and mental errors were laughable and those mistakes were made even worse when you consider they were 0-8 in one possession games, 0-8 and and a ninth loss by nine points to Ohio State. A lot of positive regression coming to this team's way, especially if they could fix the special teams, which I think they did. Hopefully the mental errors and the flags go down a little bit, but I love Nebraska's schedule. I love what they did in the offseason. Give me over seven and a half. Colin, do you agree? And where are you going in the Big Ten? Completely agree. And then I'm going to stay in the Big Ten and and I'm going to stay with uh, Illinois going under four and a half. Uh, Yeah, Brett Bielema and his boys, I think, are going to have a rough season. Only 25 percent of the offensive line snaps return to this offensive attack that wants to be ground and pound uh, exactly in the image of what Brett Bielema wants. Quarterback Tony uh, Tommy DeVito transfers in from Syracuse. That was a spread offense. Now he's going to more of a, a different style. There's a new offensive coordinator in play. So lots of changes going on the offensive side of the football for Illinois. And they're projected double-digit underdogs in at least seven games. They must win Indiana, Virginia, Northwestern just to get to five. So under four and a half is a bet that in those coin flip games and the ones that they should win, that they don't. You fading Brett Bielema? Uh, shocker. <laughs> Elsewhere in the Big Ten, I like Ohio State minus 200 to win the conference. Uh, I, I think there's value in that number. I think they're head and shoulders above the rest. They host Michigan at the end of the year, which is huge. I think they're back in the conference title game and they'll be massive favorites. So give me Ohio State minus 200. Look, we know the offense. Defense has been the question. They bring in Jim Knowles. I think that's just a massive addition. The defense should be competent, more disciplined. That's the difference. This Ohio State team is loaded in a year where college football, in my opinion, is extremely top-heavy. And I think it's going to be, when it's all said and done, Ohio State versus Alabama in the national championship. But the Jim Knowles addition is just massive for that defense, and that's been the missing piece. So give me Ohio State. To win the Big Ten, Colin, anything else in the Big Ten worth mentioning? 
I completely agree with you. I'm going to tag on to your Nebraska bet, except I'm going to go to win the West Division. It's out there at plus 360. You've already mentioned offensive coordinator Mark Whipple coming in. Expect them to be a little bit faster. And quarterback Casey Thompson comes in from Texas. High ceiling, high floor. Uh, and then the defense needs to be mentioned. They get 87% of their pressures back from last year, and they were eighth in the nation in finishing drives. They were stingy letting people score. I think that's going to be replicated this year. And this ticket, it's easy to hedge. You don't have to wait until right before Thanksgiving when they play Wisconsin and Iowa to win the West. So Nebraska plus 360 out of the Big Ten. Don't hate it. All right, let's move on to the SEC. We'll start in the SEC East. All of my friends from Lexington, why don't you go get a drink, you know, make yourself a sandwich and turn away or just mute this for a couple of minutes. But my favorite bet is Kentucky under eight wins. I think you're going to disagree with me, Colin, which is weird. You're going to be the Kentucky guy. I'm fading Kentucky. I think there's more questions than answers with this team. If you look at the recent success with Kentucky, it's all been about the offensive line, the big blue wall. But there's some questions there. They lost three key offensive linemen. You know, new offensive coordinator comes in. Have some talent at receiver, but replacing Wondell Robinson is a tall task. This, he was number one in the country, a percentage of teams' explosive plays at receiver last year. He did everything for that offense. I'm not as sold on Will Levis as some. I mean, I've seen some projections of him going number one overall next year in the NFL draft. There's also questions on the defense. And this team finally has expectations. And look, there's questions around Chris Rodriguez, their star running back. It looks like he's going to miss the first couple games, maybe three or four games. Why is that important? They play Florida week two. Con, I think that it's going to bring us to your favorite bet, which is Florida under seven wins. I think that that Kentucky-Florida game might go a long way in determining both teams' win totals, but you like Florida under seven and are higher on Kentucky, correct? Yeah, I am high on Kentucky. I'm bullish on them, but these you know recent announcements of suspensions, especially with Chris Rodriguez, we'll see how long they last and how much that has an effect. But I am going to bet Florida under seven. Quarterback depth is a real issue here with Emory Jones taking off for Arizona State through the transfer portal. Anthony Richardson remains, but how often was he injured last year? That really puts some focus on some depth of the quarterback position, which they just don't have. The receiving core has been completely wiped out. Uh, two of the top seven pass catchers from last year are are that still remain, but that's just not enough for AR to you know to have enough weapons around them. And there's new co-DCs uh, on the defensive side of the ball. They're trying to repair a secondary that was 109th in coverage. 74th and tackling for the defense as a whole. There is a long way to go with the Todd Grantham, post-Todd Grantham. And they draw LSU and Texas A&M out of the West. That is not easy whatsoever. And they only have one home game after October 15th on the schedule. Uh, if, if Billy Glad, I'm sorry, but I almost said it again. If, uh, you know, Billy Napier does not keep this roster healthy, and if he doesn't have full health from Anthony Richardson, there could be a lot of L's on the schedule. So I'm going to go under seven with Florida. You starting off, this with uh, fading Brett Bielema and then Billy Napier. I'm surprised you said his name. Yeah, Probably the two least shocking bets that we could have expected. Uh, but I, I don't hate it. But that week two game might go a long way. The other bet that I have in the SEC East, I took, I threw a flyer on Tennessee 14 to one to win the division. Can they go into, I know they have Alabama on the schedule, but I love the offense. I think the defense can make strides, which is going to be the key to this team. But if you look at their standard downs last year, they were a lot better then their end numbers. They got to fix the third down defense, but can they go into Athens and get a win? I don't know, but I think Kentucky's a bit overvalued. I think Tennessee's clearly the second best team in the division. I took a shot. I think there's a little bit of value with Tennessee to win the division. So a fun flyer for me, anything else in the sec East worth mentioning? Yeah, some props just got put up since we've done our SEC podcast. I'm going to take Spencer Rattler under 2,699 passing yards on the season. He gets, uh, you know, he doesn't get a lot of snaps back on the offensive line. This is sort of mid-range to bottom offensive line in the SEC standards, and I'm not sure that that's, you know, a great thing because this offensive line last year was 119th and havoc allowed. They were 116th in pass blocking, and if you know anything about Rattler, he needs a clean pocket to get the ball down the field. But can he get the ball down the field? Their, their biggest weapons are at the tight end position. Outside of Josh Van, there's just there's no proven players in the wide receiver on the depth chart whatsoever. And at Oklahoma, he posted 2,500 yards in 2020 in the pandemic season. But now, you know, that was the Oklahoma spread versus going into a pro-style offense. And I just don't think those numbers are going to be available to get up that high. Not to mention it's an under, so injury, uh, benching, just anything could come into play there. But I do like Spencer Rattler under 2,700 yards for the season. Right, let's move on to the SEC West. I'll start with my favorite bet. Mississippi State over six and a half wins. 
This team is loaded with experience on both sides of the ball. Most importantly, Will Rogers comes back at quarterback after an outstanding year. It's his third year in Mike Leach's air raid system, which is all about that scheme is all about timing, repetition. I think he's poised for a huge year. And if you look back historically, Mike Leach has had three, three year starting quarterbacks in his coaching career. I think Graham Harrell, Cliff Kingsbury, and Luke Falk, each of those teams won at least nine games. This team also positive regression candidate. They could not make a field goal last year. Only team in the SEC to make under 70% of the field goals. The kicking was a disaster. They went out, addressed that in the transfer portal. They also were unlucky in the turnover department. It should be 4-0, non-conference. Can they get three wins in a brutal? I mean, their schedule is brutal in the SEC. I think so. I like Mississippi State over six and a half. Give me cowbell. Yep. Yeah, I'm going Arkansas over seven. Not hard to shocker. Say. Shocker that I was going to take that, but there's reason for taking this. I mean, this is an elite offensive line. There's a rushing trio behind KJ Jefferson. Uh, if you cannot stop the rush, you're going to get beat. And there's only four teams on this schedule that have an elite front seven. That's Alabama, Mississippi State, Auburn, and LSU. The other eight teams are not going to be able to defend the run here. Plus, I think where I was worried on the podcast with the SEC West was their receiving targets with Traylon Burks moving on to the Tennessee Titans, and now you have to wonder who's going to step up. Well, that has been answered through scrimmages. Warren Thompson and Jason, uh, Jaden Hazelwood have both stepped up in scrimmages. They are in sync with K.J. Jefferson right now. Uh, it's just night and day what we've seen out of Warren Thompson in camp versus what we had last year. And then I was also worried about the nose tackle position, about not getting enough pressure. Uh, John Ridgway leaves a huge hole there. Uh, Arkansas has switched to a four-man front, so that's going to alleviate some of the concerns about getting pressure. Two defensive tackles in. They've both done extremely well against an elite offensive line like i said so i'm taking arkansas over seven because all my worries about them have been alleviated through the scrimmages predictable pete we got bielema under napier under and arkansas over but you're going to give us something else now uh the team i have nothing else in the sec a team that i'm having trouble projecting because there's just transfers everywhere they're going to be extremely transfer reliant and that's Ole miss you like the under win total tell us why I don't think Lane Kiffin likes the the makeup of his team. I think it's in his body language, the way he answers questions, and some of the things that he says after you know scrimmages and practices. Jackson Dart and Luke Altmyer just have not learned the quarterback position, and they have not learned the playbook, and they're not executing it through practices and through scrimmages. And that was a problem back in the spring game. So they have massive losses at receiver. So again, this is not the mold of what Lane Kiffin wants. They're going to be a more ground-based attack with Zach Evans coming in at running back, transfer from TCU. And as far as the defense is concerned, it's it's always been a smoking crater for Ole Miss. And they've had no upgrades to the defensive line. They were bottom 20 in rushing success rate last year. And six of the top eight tacklers are gone. I have not seen any improvement in this Ole Miss team whatsoever. I'll take an under seven and a half on the Rebs. Yeah, I believe Ole Miss, they uh... – they start off against Troy. So we'll, we'll kind of, you know, it looks like on paper an easy game, but Troy has some guys on that defense. So we'll learn a lot about the offense right away for Lane and company. All right, let's move on to the Big 12. Brett is not here to defend his alma mater, but I like Oklahoma State. Under eight and a half wins. Talked about Jim Knowles and how important I think he's going to be to Ohio State. Well, the other side of the coin, I think Oklahoma State is really going to miss them on the defensive side of the ball, and they were just gutted. Their defensive line should be pretty good, but at linebacker and secondary, just have to replace a lot of production. Yes, Spencer Sanders is back on the other side of the ball, but do you really trust him? He's going to have a game where you just, you're scratching your head at every throw. He does lose his top back, top receiver, and there's still some questions, especially with depth on the offensive line. This team was extremely fortunate last year. They went six and two in one possession games, plus 11 turnover margin. I mean, just look at the Boise State game. They won because of an inadvertent whistle. So I think it's going to be a long year for Oklahoma State. I like, you know, the, I will say that the, you know, the floor is pretty high, but I like under eight and a half. A lot of what this comes down to is just showing value in the number and being either lower or higher on a team than the market. And in this case, I'm lower than the market on Oklahoma State. And there's reasons why I also like this. So give me under eight and a half with the pokes. What are you seeing in the Big 12? I'm going to go with a team that uh, has absolutely shown it in the trenches. They've shown it against the spread since Coach K has been there. I'm going to go with Kansas State over six and a half. 
the transfer of Adrian Martinez from Lincoln down to Manhattan. Uh, we have no clue how great this Kansas State team could be if Adrian Martinez eliminates the turnovers. But the great news is he won't be asked to do that much because he's going to be in 21 personnel, multiple running backs on the field. And, you know, Brett Bielema said it best last year when they played Nebraska. He said, we're only scared of number two. He's the only one on that team that could beat us. And it just goes to show how much he was, how much Adrian Martinez was used in that Nebraska offense. And now he gets a little bit of that weight taken off his shoulders. Deuce Vaughn is one of the best all-purpose backs in the nation. <clears throat> and then on the defensive side of the ball, Felix Anadike Uzama is one of the best defensive linemen, not just in the Big 12, but in the nation. This team is projected as clear favorites in six games. And then they have five coin flips. So going over six and a half shouldn't be too much of an issue. I think Kansas State is a dark horse candidate for winning the big 12 is texas back uh i don't know but i did play them to win the big 12 in a price i thought was a bit off so i'm looking forward to kansas ruining that ticket later in the season but if you want to hear more check out our big 12 episode i know you have a few more bets in the big 12 so i'll give you little extra time here what else you got in the big 12 yeah real quick i'm gonna take tcu to win the big 12 that number is still out there anywhere from 12 to 1 up to 18 to 1 i, I would suggest grabbing that because you know this is a new coaching regime specifically defensive coordinator joseph gillespie comes in from tulsa he's one of the best dcs in the nation you can just wipe away all those stats from tcu from last year they were not interested in anything that gary patterson had to say and this offense is loaded with skill positions and two quarterbacks that are completely capable of running it so we're going to go tcu to win the big 12 and then kansas over two and a half stucky i got stucky to join me on the podcast in this over so hopefully i'm not alone here but always expect head coach Lance Leopold to do more than what he has. He did it at Buffalo. Now he's doing it at Kansas. They beat Texas last year and that he has a steady quarterback now with Jalen Daniels and they're projected favorites against Tennessee tech and against Duke. We just need to win somewhere else on the schedule, whether it's Houston or maybe there's an upset on the conference schedule, but well, over- Texas, that's the third win, right? <laughs> Texas is the third win, but we're going to go over two and a half on the Jayhawks. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't mind it. I, I like, I like Daniels and I like where Kansas is trending. I mean, you can't really, go any further down than where Kansas has been, but I think they're headed in the right direction. All right, let's move on to the ACC. And by the way, I think the people have wagers on you, how quick, how long it's going to take for you to mention media days. I don't know if you talking about Lane Kiffin and how he's talking counts. I don't know, maybe a technicality. You might have to wait for the word media day and maybe you'll bring it up here with the ACC and Pat Narduzzi. I know you're a fan of him, uh, but I'm going up pit. Under eight and a half wins. Magical year last year, but they lost Kenny Pickett. They lost Jordan Addison, a receiver. They lost their offensive coordinator, Whipple, to Nebraska. We talked about how big we think that's going to be for the Cordoskers. Also lost their wide receiver coach, who was really involved in the passing game. Offensive coordinator they bring in, really aligned with Narduzzi. What does Narduzzi want to do? They just run the ball. He's going to get back to his roots here. Him and Whipple were just never philosophically aligned. It ended up working last year, but I think the offense goes back to the old pit offense that we are used to saying they're going to be in a bunch of close games against inferior opponents. Uh, so I think the offense takes a step back. The defense will be what it is. It's going to, you know, lots of tackles for loss. They have pro talent on that defensive line, but I think this number is a bit too high. You're going to sell me on pit. Uh, I think to win the division or win the ACC, but give me pit under eight and a half. Here's your chance at a rebuttal. Yeah, I mean, I am taking Pitt to win the Coastal, not to win all of the ACC, but to win the Coastal. And yes, you're right. They're changing philosophies on the offensive side of the ball completely. Frank Signetti Jr. comes in from Boston College. It's going to be a run-based attack. Uh, you know, Narduzzi spoke at ACC Media Days about how much he loves Kadon Slovis. Ding, 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 ding. It is that this is the quarterback that he wanted. This is the style of offense that Narduzzi wants. They want to get in a bare knuckle fist fight with everybody in this conference. And now they've got the offense to match the defense as far as a, you know, a brutality perspective. So uh, there's a big difference between Pitt and Miami's schedule. Miami has to play Clemson. Pitt draws Syracuse. So, I mean, it <laughs> really you're looking at a three to one to win the coastal here. And it's based upon the fact that there's an, I think these two teams are within a decimal point of win total for me, Miami and Pitt. But the difference being that the conference slate's a little bit easier for Pitt. And then I'm going to roll into who I think is going to win the ACC, and that's NC State. Uh, eight to one is the number out there in the market. If you can get better than that, I would certainly scoop that up. But this is the only team in the ACC to retain all of their staff. There's been so much movement in offensive, defensive coordinators. This team has not moved an inch as far as their coaching staff goes. 
Same thing for the roster of players. They got 77% of their offense back, 90% of their defense back. This is a roster that beat Clemson last year, so there's no mental hurdle about whether they can beat the big dog in the conference. They had two conference losses in the ACC last year by a combined four points. This team is upset and focused, and what got thrown into that was the fact their Holiday Bowl was canceled last year. So this team is highly motivated, and they have the talent to beat anybody in this conference. So I'm going to take NC State to win the ACC 8-1. to yeah, well, at least the uh, the first game, that tricky game against East Carolina, doesn't impact that bet. Don't hate the number. Uh, for elsewhere in the ACC, I actually played Miami to win the division. Take a look on the action app. If you don't follow me there and the number that I got and would play it down to. But I think the difference is, well, I think Pitt is overvalued and Miami hosts Pitt at the end of the year, which I think will ultimately be the difference. I think Miami is a good shot of winning the conference. I think their coaching changes that they made are exactly what that team needed. And if you look at what the offense did last year, once Van Dyke got in there, it really took off. I think the defense will show improvement. So I like Miami to win the division. And Georgia Tech under with three and a half wins. Um, show me where their four wins are. This is a team headed in the wrong direction, got gutted via the transfer portal. Uh, I don't even know if Jeff Collins makes it through the year. Yeah, I'll make them prove that they can win the three winnable games on their schedule and then pick up an upset somewhere else. Their schedule is vicious. What else you see in the ACC? One more. I'm going to take a Boston College under six and a half. I mentioned Frank Signetti, the offensive coordinator, departing for Pitt. I project these guys just at five wins, and there's plenty of new faces on the offensive line. And that offensive line has failed to protect Phil Dracovic, uh, one of the best arms in the you know NFL scouted and everything. We don't know where his stock is going to fall after this upcoming season, but this is an offensive line that continues to struggle in pass blocking. And it's just not a good formula uh, offensively when it's been very conservative with running, putting it all on Dracovic to throw on third downs. It's, it's just not working. And the offensive line is not going to gel this year either. 108th and havoc allowed that should continue new offensive coordinator john mcnulty comes in he was the tight end coach from notre dame so you can expect more conservative play calling out of boston college which doesn't really fit the makeup of who their quarterback is so i'm gonna go boston college under six and a half here yeah my problem with boston college is i trust halfley to fix that d and then having trouble projecting okay what are we going to get from that offense because how much was, I mean, Jerkovich clearly wasn't healthy last year when he was back in the fold. So I think his numbers should improve. So I'm pretty spot on there, but you make a pretty good case. All right, let's move on to the Pac-12. My favorite bet is Washington over seven and a half. Disastrous year for the Huskies in 2021. Started off with a, a home loss to FCS Montana. But I love what they did in the offseason. I think major coaching upgrades across the board. Quarterback play should get better with transfer Michael Penix, who I assume will win that job. And he actually thrived under DeBoer, who's now the head coach, when he was the offensive coordinator at Indiana. Do lose a ton of talent in that secondary, but I think from a schematic perspective, the changes that they're making defensively will address the run defense. It was just a sieve last year, like some of the guys that they have in that secondary. And the schedule is really favorable. I think this team at least gets to eight wins. Agree on Washington, and uh, what else are you seeing on in the Pac-12? 100% agree on Washington. Uh, they're on the up, and, I, and I'm with you on that bet. I'm going to go a team that I'm not with is USC. I'm going to go under nine and a half on these guys. Uh, listen, there's just there's too many mouths to feed here on offense. Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, Travis Dye. Uh, that doesn't even mention some of the other stars that they've had to come in uh, to this offense. I don't understand how Lincoln Riley is going to get the ball spread out enough to satisfy what these guys have been able to produce in the past, especially Jordan Addison, who's a Belintikoff winner. So, you know, and, and I think all that boils down to the fact that Caleb Williams is going to be allowed to run whenever he wants for scramble yards, for designed runs. He had over 400 design uh, he had over 400 yards on designed runs last year. They're not going to take that away from him. So, uh, you know, I think they're going to score a ton of points. We all expect them to score 50 every game, but you have to play defense. And Alex Grinch comes in from Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley and the Trojans, you know, last year, bottom 20 in coverage, tackling havoc. These are things that just don't get fixed overnight. Coaching can only go so far. If they can slip into the top 100, that's great. But, and, you know, Alex Grinch has a history of improving havoc with teams he's been at, but success rate and finishing drives are a part of it too. That is just a really tough tough uh, hill for them to climb. They're going to be an underdog in three games this season. Uh, and I, you know, that's going to, we expect them to lose those games. So that brings the total down to nine, but I really think that you should look at some of the schedule of offenses they play in the PAC 12 Stanford, Oregon state, Washington state. I know people don't consider these teams 
ones that can win the Pac-12, but they are instant flashpoint offenses uh, that can score at any time. I expect a ton of shootouts on this USC schedule. I think there's going to be a ton of games where both teams score in the 50s, and if you're just going to have a bunch of coin flips of score fests, I'm definitely going to take the under 9.5 on the Trojans. All right, elsewhere in the Pac-12, I know you disagree with me here, but well, maybe not disagree, but I, I know you played another team, which you'll get to in a second. I played Oregon. To win the Pac-12, look, they avoid USC. Their road schedule in in conference is as easy as you could possibly get. And guess what? They host Utah. Bo Nix season in full effect. Bo Nix season in full effect. I think the defense will be all right under Lanning. I actually like the secondary and the defensive line. is just loaded with depth. Excellent linebacker. Uh, so I just think schedule-wise and where I project Oregon, I think this price is off. And then I also – played Colorado under three wins. Uh, go take a look at Colorado's schedule, by the way, where they play nothing but power five teams. One exception, at Air Force. Schedule is absolutely brutal. This team was gutted in the transfer portal, especially in the secondary. Uh, they are. They have freshmen everywhere. Not a fan of the quarterback situation. This is a program headed in the wrong direction. I don't see how they get to four or even three wins so give me Colorado under three. What else you got in the Pac-12? Love that Colorado bet. You always want to bet against Mike Sanford Jr. as, a, as an offensive yep. coordinator. Uh, so we'll take that. I'm going to go Utah to win the conference. Now, I don't disagree that Oregon's going to make it. I just disagree on who's going to win this thing. I think the Ducks and the Utes are, are primed to meet each other again in the Pac-12 championship game. As far as the Utes go, they have one of the highest marks in returning experience per tarp. And then they host USC in Rice Eccles. That's a, you know, if that's going to be a tiebreaker, it's good that Utah has that game at home. I project them as a favorite in every single game. Only three games will they be short favorites. It's hard for me to project this Utah team finishing third in the Pac-12. They've changed their rules. There's no more north and south. That is to a huge advantage for Utah. And then after that, I'm going to go Washington State over five and a half. Stuck and I mentioned it on the Pac-12 podcast if you're going to take a long shot flyer on Washington State to win the Pac-12, I, I can certainly see why you would do that because the introduction of quarterback Cam Ward and his offensive coordinator Eric Morris come in from Incarnate Word last year, just an electric offense that's now going to take over the Pac-12. The Cougs went 7-1-1 one, and one against the spread against Pac-12 competition last year. I'm not sure if odds makers can't catch up with Jake Dickert's been able to do since he took over for Nick Rolovich. Uh, I think we should just keep writing this until, you know, odds makers and people that make power ratings like ourselves can catch up to how good the Cougs are. So, uh, you know, I'm definitely going to back this defense. It finished within the top 60 and finishing drive. So I'll take Washington State over five and a half. You mentioned, so you're high on Utah, you're low on Florida. I think the game that people have asked me, friends, people on Twitter the most about in week one is Utah, Florida. I yeah. assume you're going to give uh, the nod or, of, of approval on the Utes. That's why, I mean, that's why we have an award-winning Action Network app where you can go see that I had the Utes money line put in a few weeks ago. So am I going to add it to two and a half, three? We'll see. Uh, this is a game that I think Utah should absolutely win. But if, if you have a cheap money line out there, maybe minus 135 or better, I'd lay it right now. Can't wait for that one. Should tell us a lot about both teams. Uh, let's move on to the AAC. The American, I'll start off. I like Tulane over Six wins. It's a tough schedule, but not as tough as last year when they had one of the hardest schedules I've ever seen from a group of five team. And nothing went right for this team. I looked at 0-5 in one possession games. They were 122nd in turnover margin, 128th in fourth down conversion. They were in fourth down conversion, right? They were extremely unlucky. If you look third and fourth in long situations, they even had to move to Birmingham, I believe, for a month because of the hurricane and they had their game against Oklahoma moved to Norman and they almost won that game. Everything kind of spiraled out of control. There were also rumors of issues with the offense and the offensive coordinator, Chip Long, not a fan of, I love Svada, the offensive coordinator they brought in from the D2 level. I think he's going to do wonders for this offense from everything that I'm reading and seeing. I think that's a big upgrade for this offense, major positive regression candidate into lane. I think they at least get the bowl eligibility happily took, over six at plus money on the green wave. What are you seeing in the AAC as your favorite bet? Well, as you mentioned, Tulane and their strength of schedule and how tough it was, let's talk about the team that has the easiest strength of schedule in all of maybe any conference out there, and that's Houston. Uh, I'm going to take Houston to make the AAC championship. It's right now, it's minus 135. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at the schedule. The top teams in the AAC are Cincinnati and Central Florida, and they are not on Houston's schedule. So uh, there's no division. So it's one of those things where you have to finish top two to make the championship game. And when you don't have to play the two top teams, that is already giving you a leg up. Now, quarterback Clayton, I mean, it helps Houston also, the quarterback Clayton Toon, wide receiver Tank Dell are both coming back, probably the best combination of quarterback wide receiver, the most explosive in, in the entire AAC. And 80% of the offense returns of a group that was top 20 in finishing drives. So Holgerson knows how to get sustained drives, get into scoring position, and get as many points up on the board as possible. They are going to do circles around this very this easy strength of schedule they got inside their conference. Uh, just shocked still they don't play Cincinnati or Central Florida. So Houston to make the ACC championship, minus 135. By the way, I saw that Plumlee was named the starting quarterback for UCF. It's going to be they're going to be a fun team to watch, I'll put it that right. way. Uh, it, there could be some fun football games for UCF with Plumlee in that system. Uh, elsewhere in the AC, I like Tulsa under six. If you six, if you find it under five and a half, I think is out there now. Uh, I still like that. I think one of the more underrated moves, which isn't being talked about enough, is the loss of their defensive coordinator who I think is Gillespie's one of the most underrated in all of college football. I think their defense is going to take a major, major hit. I'm lower than the market on Tulsa. Uh, I like under six, under five and a half, but six certainly. If you can find it, hopefully Tulane gets that revenge from last year where they missed a, a chip shot field goal from, I think, like 20 yards to beat Tulsa. Uh, any thoughts on, on Tulsa who's right in your backyard? Yeah, it's definitely a down year without Joseph Gillespie. Uh, we'll see what they do at the quarterback position, but no, it's definitely coming back down for for a Tulsa team that was struggling for so long before Gillespie took over as DC. Uh, we'll see what they can do on defense. I'm going to go under on another team in the conference, under four and a half for Navy. Uh, the midshipmen, they're just not able to utilize the transfer portal like other teams, and they just continue to fall behind in the current college football landscape. The climate says you fill, you backfill, uh, your your positions that are have empty coming into the season with the transfer portal and Navy's not allowed to do that. And it's good that quarterback Ty Levitai comes back uh, to run the option attack, but the offense was 115th in success rate last season. Uh, that's just not going to work with the triple option attack. And the team was dead last in pass rush and against the explosive play on defense. Uh, this is a defense that has struggled for multiple years now, and it's not getting any better. Uh, I'll take, I think it's a number that I project around 3.4. So under four and a half on Navy. Yeah, Navy, ever since Malcolm Perry left, just can't get that rush offense back to the levels that we were used to seeing for years. Uh, it's definitely been a struggle in Annapolis. All right, let's move on to the Mountain West Conference. Uh, I'll start. I'm going to go with another service academy. I took Air Force to win their division. I think this is, is this the last year with divisions in the Mountain West, I believe? Last year divisions, yep. Yeah, I think they're going away from divisions, which a lot of conferences are doing starting next year. But here's the thing. I mean, Air Force hosts Boise State in a game, two teams that I power rate right around each other. They also avoid Fresno. Boise plays Fresno. I think that's absolutely massive. I have Air Force, albeit Boise State's basically a coin flip, but favored in all 12 games. They're one of only five or six teams that I can say that about. Absolutely. Look, this is a, all about the rushing offense for Air Force. They bring everything back for that rushing offense led by quarterback Zeke Daniels, fullback Brad Roberts, everything. And this offensive line, super experienced. This is one of the most experienced Air Force teams that we've seen in years. Given the schedule, given where I power rate them, everything that they're bringing back. Look, there are some questions on the defense up front and in the secondary. Uh, but I think that there's value in Air Force to win their division. What are you seeing in the Mountain West? No, we're going to go Nevada under four and a half. This is a number that's taken massive hits throughout the summer, and there's a reason for that. Head coach Jay Norvell leaves, goes to Colorado State. He essentially takes everything uh, that, that is any kind of expertise on the roster and takes it with him through the portal. Uh, so there's a coach and a scheme change coming in on both sides of the ball. New offensive coordinator Derek Sage is from UCLA, where they like to run multiple running backs, play action of the tight end. That is not what they were running. Nevada was running with Carson Strong last year, so it's a completely different look going on. And then, you know, less than 20% returns on both sides of the ball. They did not backfill from the portal whatsoever. There are now non-scholarship players in the two deep on defense. 
His depth is an extreme concern with these guys. They play Iowa and Air Force early on the schedule. Our injury is going to take a toll on this team to, You know, before they get to their second game of the Mountain West Conference schedule. Uh, under four and a half here, there's too much going on, too much in transition, too much change, uh, and <laughs> there's just no identifiable uh, expertise at any position that can get these guys some wins. So uh, I even love them coming up here week zero, week one, uh, even as, you know, getting beat is a, is a big favorite. So uh, Nevada under four and a half for me. Romeo Dobbs, they're really going to miss him. Uh, he, is he going to become the Packers number one this year? It's a chance. Uh, yeah, I, I also played San Jose State over in the Mountain West, but I completely agree on Nevada. I mean, if you want to know what the market thinks of Nevada, take a look at, they played two game, one in week zero, one in week one. New Mexico State, where they open at four, two touchdown favorites down to like nine, or were they a seven and a half point favorite against Texas State in week one? The game after, I think that's down to five. Uh, the market is fading this team, and I think for good reason, everywhere. Um, this team just lost everything, and there's so much change. I completely agree on the Nevada under. Where Anything else in the uh, Mountain West for you? Yeah, I'm going to do a New Mexico under two and a half. I mean, I'm going to mention a team later on that I think might be the worst team in all of college football, but New Mexico is certainly – giving a push to be the worst one. Uh, head coach Danny Gonzalez, it has not worked out on the offensive side of the ball. They're installing their third different offense in three years. Uh, they were running a no huddle, no huddle spread. Uh, they switched over to a zone diamond triple that Coastal Carolina runs. It's just too confusing when you don't have the horses in the backfield or on the offensive line to do this. Danny Gonzalez as a head coach went 1-11 against a spread last year. So I mentioned that odds makers can't catch up to you know certain teams. Uh, like Washington State, well, they haven't been able to pro put a good price on New Mexico uh, either. So they're dead last in offensive success rate and finishing drives last year. That's not going to get any better. Uh, and they're projected to be a favorite only against Maine and New Mexico State. And I think New Mexico State could beat them too. So Wyoming's the only other team on the schedule that they could possibly beat to get to a third win. It's just not going to happen. So New Mexico under two and a half. Yeah, Gonzalez and Rocky Long, they, they, they know defense, and that defense wasn't bad, especially given the talent that they had. Good safeties should be okay again this year. But the offense just is absolutely dreadful. It is hard to watch that low ball offense. All right, let's move on to my favorite conference, the MAC, and talk some MACTION. Working currently on the Mac Manifesto, which should be out in the next day or two. We have a loaded Mac preview. Uh, Big Bets on Campus podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you check that out as well, as well as all the other preview episodes, as I mentioned before. Uh, I'll start my favorite bet. I have a couple, but I'll, I guess I'll go Western Michigan under six and a half wind, under six and a half juice, under six is fine too. I, this team lost so much on the offense. Caleb Elby at quarterback, who was just awesome, one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the country last year. Sky Moore, who was drafted by the Chiefs at receiver. They, uh, the offensive line is extremely raw. Outside of Coombs at, uh, Coombs at wide receiver, they lost everything. Redshirt freshmen starting at quarterback. Uh, their special teams are going to be dreadful. They lost their top pass rusher on defense. And last year, their defense really benefited from an offense that was top five in time possession. That won't be the case this year. Look, their running backs are good, but teams, they're just going to be real easy to defend, in my opinion, with a new offensive coordinator. But teams are just going to stack the box. You got one receiver to really cover just a bunch of unproven town on the outside. I do not see – Max very unpredictable, but I do not see this Western Michigan team getting to seven wins. Uh, I think they'll struggle just to get to six and bowl eligibility. So give me Western Michigan – under six and a half wins. What are you seeing in the Mac? Well, the team I like to win the Mac uh, didn't get a lot of love on the podcast that we put out. So Miami of Ohio plus 450 coming out of the East Division. Only Bowling Green returns more experience in the East Division than Miami of Ohio. That includes quarterback Brett Gabbert, wide receiver Mark Hippenhammer, the best combo in the division. Uh, and a stat that carries over season to season is Havoc allowed and Havoc. So Havoc allowed is how often are you allowing tackles for loss or sacks? 
Miami of Ohio was 12th in the nation on offense and havoc allowed and 17th on defense and havoc. So they definitely have it in a stat that usually carries over year to year. There's no Toledo on the schedule from a cross division scheduling uh, road games at Bowling Green and Akron. That's one of the easiest division paths that there could be. There's zero difficulty here. It's a hedgeable ticket into the MAC championship game. So I'll take Miami of Ohio plus 450. You got to just hope that Gabbert stays healthy at quarterback um, and uh, Chuck Martin doesn't mess it up. And maybe my Ohio can give Kentucky a game in the opener. Uh, elsewhere in the back, I won't get too much into it. Check out my Mac Manifesto, shameless plug, on actionnetwork.com and the Action Network app in the next day or two. Uh, but I also took a, a flyer on Ohio to win the conference. I mean, I saw I, there was a 25 to one out there, which was outrageous. This is the conference where just you expect the unexpected. But Northern Illinois, the first team to win the conference title after going winless the previous season. A couple years ago, Central Michigan, getting there, they were 50-1 to preseason. Um, I think this is just a wide-open division, completely mispriced. I also love Toledo over. It's a team that couldn't buy a break last year in close games. Best defense in the conference by far. Offense was much better with Finn at the helm. I think all those close losses turned to close wins this year for Toledo. Really like that over, especially if you can find uh, an eight. What else you got in the map? Yeah, Northern Illinois and Rocky Lombardi coming to haunt us again for a full season of football. But I'm going to go Bowling Green over four. I mentioned how much experience they return. Uh, this is a team that covered against Tennessee and then flat out beat Minnesota as a 31-point underdog last year. They're projected as a clear favorite against Eastern Kentucky, but then after that, they have five coin flips. Akron, Buffalo, Western Michigan, Kent State, and Ohio. Those are all winnable games. I'll take Bowling Green over four. Yeah, you mentioned Northern Illinois. They lost uh, Trayvon Rudolph, which was a, uh, for the season, I believe, uh, major loss at receiver. Not that it matters because they'll go like 35 or 40 on fourth down and win eight games by eight combined points. Um, no, I'm not bitter. Uh, all right, let's move on to the Sun Belt. Uh, I'll throw out JMU under, yeah, I think it's still under six out there, under six wins. Caveat here, they only play 11 games. And this is their first year in FBS. So it's really a, a tough team to project, right? You take, they've been one of the top teams in FCS in recent seasons, but you know, a lot of their numbers last year, you can't just you know, translate them into this year. It doesn't work as easy. So, but if you go back over, you know, between 2008 and 2018, I believe 12 teams made the jump from FCS to FBS. Some, and most, a lot of them were in the Sun Belt. Mixed results, right? You had a team, I think Georgia State went 0-12 in their first year. Georgia Southern, I believe, went 9-3. and Average wins for all those teams, I think it was 4.25. Uh, I think JMU is really going to struggle to get to five wins. Um, they lost their star quarterback. I'm not a fan of Todd Santeo. I believe he's going to win that quarterback battle, and I just wasn't a fan of him at Temple, Colorado State. I think there's a big drop-off in quarterback play. Lost a lot on this offense and on the defense, uh, new defensive coordinator as well, lose your top receiver. I, I'm just not a big fan of this roster. And I think it's going to be more of a struggle than the market is anticipating with this number. So I like JMU under six wins in their 11 game schedule. Yeah, I'm going to move over to Georgia State, a team that I absolutely love. My favorite bet on a win total is over seven and a half on the Panthers. They're a true dark horse to win the Sun Belt. They return at least 80% on both sides of the ball per tarp. I project them to win 8.4 games, and they ended last season winning six of their last seven, not just winning, but covering. Uh, they're double-digit favorites in five games, and they have coin flips against Army, App State, Louisiana, and Troy. And they, you know, they have a couple of Power Five teams on this schedule that can be beat in South Carolina and North Carolina. So I love Georgia state. I think they're going to surprise this year, just like they did last year. Uh, and this is definitely a team that can win uh, that tough East division and go on to win the whole conference. Yeah. One of the most experienced teams in the country from a returning production standpoint, uh, elsewhere in conference USA, I played South Alabama over five and a half wins, like the direction of this program. And then I played Marshall to win the conference. It's all about the schedule, Marshall, won the conference schedule lottery. Uh, I really like what they did in the transfer portal, like this staff. I think they addressed some of the issues, especially with that run defense. Really like where Marshall's headed, and I think that there's some value in them to win the conference. What else are you seeing in Conference USA? Well, I'll give you two long shot futures. Uh, and if you're going to do this, do it in the group of five. And these teams are absolutely mispriced. They shouldn't be priced anywhere more than 16 to one. 
The first one is Southern Miss over in the West Division at 30 to 1 to win the conference. Uh, you know, I mean, this is <laughs> an easy division to be in. Uh, you know, the only competition there is a Louisiana team that's going through some transition themselves. Uh, Ty Keys returns a quarterback that allows Frank Gore to get out from under center and be a running back again. Uh, it's a deadly combination against this division. And the defense finished 15th in finishing drives last year. So they are, and they return their top 10 tacklers. So there's a lot coming back on the Southern Miss team and they have a very easy division now the tougher division is where old dominion is and that's why they're listed at 50 to 1 but again that number is just way too low for a team that you know went on a winning streak at the end of last year just to make it to bowl season now they return more experience just about anybody in the conference and you have to really pay attention to the top dogs in the east app state loses a ton chase bryce is not a good fit for that offense whatsoever coastal carolina has lost everybody but grayson mccall at quarterback uh, and they draw south and getting back to Old Dominion, they draw easy games over in the West against South Bama and Arkansas State. So, you know, we are an upset or two away from Old Dominion being in the driver's seat. This number, like I said, should be in the teens. It should not be 50 to one. So Old Dominion's a long shot. And then the team that I said was the worst team in the nation up against New Mexico. That's Arkansas State. And under five is definitely a play that you have to add to your portfolio. I project 3.2 wins against Grambling, UMass, and ULM. Outside of that, I'm not sure how the Red Wolves are going to get a game. Uh, Butch Jones has just been an absolute disaster there. They return less than 50% on both sides of the ball, and they are one of the worst teams in havoc on both sides of the ball. So there's just there's no continuity here. The roster doesn't have anything worth winning. And, and they're, I mean, outside of those three games that I mentioned where they should be favorites and they should win, there just isn't a lot going on here where they, they can win any game inside the conference outside of ULM. So definitely under five. I cannot see a way the Red Wolves get to postseason play. Southern Miss is a weird team. I'm having trouble projecting them. And last year, they all kinds of quarterback. They were unlucky at the quarterback position with injuries. But then they were good without a quarterback with, like, running – running backs at quarterback who were actually completing passes sometimes. I, I, I don't know. Southern Miss is a hard team for me to project, but I don't mind your point on taking flyers in the belt. All right, let's move on to Conference USA. I'll start with my nemesis, Middle Tennessee State. I played under five and a half wins. I think this offense is going to be a mess, transitioning to a new scheme. The offensive line is oof, major problems, non-existent running game. I think there's going to be major, major transition and it just issues on this offense all year long. And by the way, this is one of the luckiest teams in the country last year from a turnover perspective. Uh, that I don't think is sustainable, especially when you look at some of the losses they had on the defensive end, especially in the back end of that defense. Major questions with depth across this roster as well. So I like Middle Tennessee under five and a half. Hopefully I won't be making any trips to Murfreesboro at any point this year. What do you got? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm going to take UTSA under eight and a half, and I hate it because I love Meep Meep and we love the program so much, but it's hard to replace Sincere McCormick at running back. This is a team that, you know, had some close wins. They started 11-0 on the season. They finally lost a game in a meaningless game before they went on to win the conference championship where they beat Western Kentucky and Bailey Zappi. So they've kind of reached the pinnacle, uh, you know, and they might be a little bit oversold. Uh, Frank Harris does return at quarterback. He has a loaded wide receiver group. Uh, but like I said, the loss of Sincere McCormick in the backfield uh, and they lost more than 50 percent of their defense. Uh, there's going to be some struggles here to, to replicate what they did last year. And there's a possibility that this team starts 0-3. They have to play Houston, Army, Texas. And, you know, you consider the fact that UTSA is breaking in two new defensive ends and you're going to take on Army so early where you have to have outside contain against a triple option. That's not an easy game for them. So they host North Texas and UTEP, two teams that I think are on the rise in the conference, uh, and they have to travel to UAB. So it's not an easy schedule whatsoever. I'm going to take UTSA under eight and a half. All right. Well, you're against our meet meet friends, but you're going to please our uh, pizza party friend in El Paso. El Paso? So, yeah. I still don't know. Uh, you like Minor Nation to win the yeah. conference? People are going to love this one. We're talking Minor Nation. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. Picks up. I think I put a tweet out about six weeks ago and I said, you better have UTEP 30 to 1 in your pocket. Well, that's now UTEP 20 to 1 for Conference USA. Uh, I hate that Jacob Cowing has moved on. He's no longer, uh, he transferred out, went to Arizona. So, but, you know, th they still have weapons there with Gavin Hardison and a quarterback. He has one of the biggest arms in all the group of five quarterbacks. Uh, and, you know, Tyron Smith is still there. He averaged 2.2 
yards per route run route run is wide receiver, which means he is an explosive uh, target for for Hardison to to connect with. But this is the easiest schedule in Conference USA. It's not even close. They don't play UAB. They don't play Western Kentucky. Their road conference schedule consists of Rice, Louisiana Tech, and Charlotte. So uh, we'll see if UTEP can get their first ever win in the Eastern time zone against Charlotte. But uh, this is a really easy schedule. There's no divisions, right? So all you have to do is finish top two in the standings. And kind of like Houston over in the AAC, you're going to give me the easiest schedule in the world in the conference. You're going to give me some experience returning. You should probably finish in the top two. So I'll take UTEP 20 to one to win the conference. Minor nation. They get it done. We'll have uh, we'll have to head on down there and throw quite the pizza party. All right, that'll do it for us. We do still have one order of business, and we I think I have like twenty five preseason bets between futures and win totals. You're probably around there, so I don't know if we got to fifty. By the way, you just mentioned Cali. I do like Arizona over two. You're over under. I don't. Maybe that put it over fifty two and a half. Uh, but our college football insider Brett McMurphy is was not available. He was going to be on the show, but he's pursuing uh, the latest moves regarding conference realignment having a pina colada on the beach somewhere. First reported by our own Brett McMurphy. Brett McMurphy is sources. But he managed to email over his favorite bets that we can make fun of, starting with uh, Stetson Bennett to win the Heisman. Um, do not bet that. <laughs> SEC, so you bet Alabama minus 140 to win the SEC. Fine. Pac-12, you bet Utah plus 225. He wanted me to mention that he did hit Utah last year. He's on board with you in the Utes. Did you say Utes? Yeah, Utes. And TCU. Would you write this up for him? TCU to win the Big 12. Miami to win the ACC. Like that. Air Force to win the Mountain West. Like that. You? Agree or disagree? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Air Force, yes. FAU, 10 to 1 to win Conference USA. I think I think Brett's too busy on is out on his back porch in Florida reading too much about the owl. That's that's a stretch. Coastal to win the Sun Belt. Yeah, uh, I mean, look, you got one of the best quarterbacks. I, I love watching their offense, by the way, um, in college football. But they're by, by the way, my guy Isaiah Likely for the Ravens is killing it. And he's one of many that they lost. Their roster was gutted. I'm going to say no on that. The offensive line is gone and highly likely is gone. So no thanks. In the Mac, Central Michigan, five to one. No thanks. I have no love for the chips. And uh, Houston to win the American. You would agree there. I agree they're going to make it. Uh, whether they can win it, we'll have to see. Uh, but they do have one of the most explosive offensive combos in, in the conference. So yeah, I'd like that. National champion, Alabama plus 190. Don't hate it. But I, I don't know if that's he actually likes that or if that's a hedge against the Stetson Bennett. Heisman ticket. I, uh, I, do know, I do know he likes it. Uh, I would look. There are There is a, a 210 out there somewhere. So if you're going to get down pretty heavy on Alabama, I'd probably look for the best number. Not not terrible. A couple we didn't agree with. But uh, overall, nice work. And uh, good luck on your Bennett ticket. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. Big Bets on Campus podcast. Check out all of our previews, all of our other episodes. We go through every conference. Within week zero... A week zero betting previews here, five days away. Can't wait. Make sure you subscribe, leave a five-star review. All that helps us. We'll do giveaways for anyone that does. Appreciate your time. Thanks, as always, to Colin for joining me. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. We'll catch you all later. Cheers. Peace out.